you know, I've been very blessed to, to have a, a nice career and I'm on the board of the National Council, the NCADD from Westchester, and I try and join nonprofit boards where I can and, and help people who are less fortunate. You know, when I got into this field, I didn't care if I, I wanted to help anybody, whether it's inner city kids or whatever it might be. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, and I'm so excited today to have two special guests with us. One of them is my practice partner, the amazing Robin Mooney. Welcome, Robin. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Flowers. This is your first podcast with the J Flowers Health Institute as a co-host. Yes, as a co-host. I did join the wonderful Robin French on one earlier, but this is my first time as a co-host. Super excited to have you. And I know Trevor Shevin is an amazing friend of yours. And Trevor, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here. You bet. I know how incredibly busy you are and you fly all over the world and you've been traveling and I just so much appreciate your time this week to sit down with us for a few minutes. I'm very honored to be here and grateful to be here. So thank you. You bet. Good to have you. And Robin, I was hoping you'd start us off and and tell the world a little bit, not that they need, they already know who Trevor is, but uh, (laughs) if you'd go over his bio, I'd love it. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Flowers. And welcome, Trevor. We're so happy to have you. So Trevor Shevin is the principal and founder of Sterling Recovery Services, a highly specialized team of professionals whose clients suffer from a wide variety of serious conditions. They include alcoholism, drug addiction, eating and mental health disorders, co-occurring disorders, and process addictions such as gambling, spending, sex, internet use, and others. The people they serve come from walks of life, including high-profile executives, athletes, and celebrities, trustees, and family offices. Trevor is also a certified interventionist professional, an MBA, and provides advisory, consulting, and intensive case management services to individuals, families, and corporations globally. Trevor continually achieves high successful outcomes amongst even the more or most extreme complicated cases. Back to you, Dr. Flowers. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) What an impressive bio. So again, thank you so much for being here. And with all that said, I want this to be as enjoyable for you, Trevor, as it can possibly be. So I'm going to start off with a question and say, what's the one question that you really, really, really are itching to be asked that no one ever asks you? Oh, boy. (laughs) I like to consider myself a complete open book, although I'm sure I have filters I'm not even aware of. And 
that no one asked me. That, oh gosh, or even well, that you're just dying to talk about. Something that you're dying to talk about that no one really ever asks you about. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things is, you know, you know, after being in the field for quite some time, it's a little bit about my past and sort of what, what got me here. Because I think, you know, I believe a good friend of mine and, and a colleague, Doug Lyons, you did a, a podcast with him and, and, um, and, and he's wonderful. And I know he often talks about mission versus margin and whatnot. And, and I think most people get into th- this field for all the right reasons and staying on that and staying, you know, maintaining their integrity with that is, I think, critical. And, and that's what, you know, I try and keep my relationships fairly small, you know, with very, um, you know, high quality people like yourselves. And even when you guys got started, I, I'm like the one that sticks my toe in the pool a little bit to feel how warm it is. And then I see things and hear things. And then next thing you know, it's, it feels like I'm in a partnership with someone. And, and so, you know, and that's how I like to operate, you know, I guess, should I give a little bit of my background? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please, sure. yeah. So I'll self-disclose a little bit. I, I reluctantly turned 50 back in February, but I, I'm accepting it now. And I mentioned that because some people tell me I look a little bit younger than I am. So when I mentioned my background to just give time perspective, please don't hold this against me, but I'm a recovering Wall Street uh, MBA and uh, worked on Wall Street for over 10 years at one of the larger firms. And then uh joined a hedge fund after that. And uh, I was, you know, I'll self-disclose that I'm in recovery myself for, you know, some mental health and and substance abuse issues. But I was what one would consider very high functioning. I I never lost a job, never got arrested. You know, I think when I was in, um, when I was in business school, I think it was Warren Buffett who said, you know, something along the lines of it takes a, a lifetime to build a reputation, but only 10 minutes to destroy it. And I feverishly worked to make sure that 10 minutes never happened. And so very fear-driven and ego-driven success. You know, growing up, my father was an alcoholic and I kind of pushed to get away from that. I did well in school. I did well in sports. I played sports through college. Everything looked really nice on paper and I kind of acquired all these masks to appear a certain way. Inside, always from a young child, very insecure. I'm still working on that. I'm getting better at it um, over time. Lots of trauma and betrayal and things kind of culminated for me just to kind of bring it to a close. When I was 29, I was at the World Trade Center when 9-11 happened and, and lost some very close friends and saw some things, obviously, that no one should have to see. And it was a few years after that that um, some friends had intervened on me, and, and I wound up getting help myself. And so about it was very eye-opening to me. I wasn't given the blueprint on how to live life. And so I, you know, about a year, I, got, I took to recovery like a duck to water in Manhattan in every way, therapy in, in different modalities and 12-step programs and all that. In about a year into my own journey, I sort of had this existential moment of wanting to um, do something more in line, like those masks that I had to take off to get back to my authentic self. You know, I wanted to do something more meaningful and, and purposeful. And my s- success on Wall Street was very fear-driven success. And I didn't, it didn't line up with who I was. So I actually went back to school and I thought I might try and become a clinician and hang up a shingle in Manhattan. One thing led to another. I started doing what's called clinical intensive case management and also became a certified interventionist. And I was really a unicorn back then. I think there's a lot more of me, whatever me is today. And in fact, 
a lot of the Wall Street money has sort of followed me in, which, you know, is, is a little bit scary, but that's for another day. But and uh, I got a lot of amazing opportunities and really found, I think, my calling. And and uh, to this day, we don't advertise our market. We're finally building a website just because there's so much competition so people can see exactly who we are and what we do. But it's always just been a landing page and, and referrals from great people like you or their families or family offices we work with. And and so, uh, you know, it just took off from there. And I'd worked with different people over the years. And then back in 2016, you know, I, I started a company called Sterling Recovery Services. And the name is for another time. It's, it's a, not a long story, but not worth going into how we got that. But we're, we're headquartered in Greenwich, Connecticut. We work with families, as Robin mentioned, all over the world, mostly in the U.S. and London. And, uh, you know, we do everything from interventions to intensive case management to advisory and consultative services and whatnot. And we're kind of boutique, although I don't love that word either, and kind of s- small but strong, you know, in what we do. And work with all walks of life. And then we have a wellness center in Greenwich, Connecticut that we work with a lot of local clients with groups and acupuncture, massage, a nutritionist, yoga and whatnot for con- continuing care after care services. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm really, what one thing I'm really proud about when you back to your question is just being able to really stay true to myself. I think, you know, back to that lifetime to build a reputation, 10 minutes to destroy, it was very fear-driven outcomes and in recovery, like one of the cornerstones for me is is just doing the next right thing, especially when no one's looking, having integrity and authenticity with what I do, being client centric versus, you know, wallet centric. And, you know, of course, this is a business and, and I want to be profitable and I have employees and mouths to feed and all that kind of stuff. But back to, you know, when I referenced Doug, the mission versus margin, staying focused on the mission and, and the margin tends to work itself out that way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for talking about that. And it was a great podcast with uh, Claire Consulting and Doug Lyon. Yeah. And uh, I just recently asked Sam if he from Claire Consulting, if he'd be willing to come on and do a podcast. And he said, I'd love to come on and do a podcast. I've got <laughs> some things that Doug didn't mention that I want to talk about. <laughs> He's the so best. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to have Sam on here in a couple of weeks. But it's it, you're so right. Building these close relationships and you know, I think that one of the most overused words is authentic relationships, but it's it's a good it's just a good word. And, and it is true. And you are one of those authentic people who who has a history of your own trauma and your own recovery, and you live an authentic life. And it shows you were here a couple of weeks ago with your beautiful fiance. We learned about your practice more and, and it was amazing. But sitting and talking to someone you can really see and feel that authenticity in you guys. And I just appreciate that so much. Thank you. Well, there's a saying, uh, spot it, got it, right? So if you're seeing it in me, then you must have it in yourself. So <laughs> <appreciate> it. <laughs> Thank you so Robin, I know you're dying to jump in and ask. A couple <laughs> well, I just, first of all, welcome again. I'm so happy that we're able to spend some time together on the podcast, but I'm dying to know what the Dogaholics is, and <laughs> yes, and you are the president of the board for Dogaholics. I would love to know about that. Yeah. And I'd also like to know, which is a little more serious, is the United Intervention Services, recovery services for those with less financial means. I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. Well, thanks for mentioning that because, you know, I've been very blessed to, to have a, a nice career and I'm on the board of the National Council the NCADD from Westchester, and I try and join nonprofit boards where I can and and help people who are less fortunate. You know, when I got into this field, 
I didn't care if I, I wanted to help anybody, whether it's inner city kids or whatever it might be, but because of my background and, and I was deemed, I guess I've heard the term unicorn with my background, especially back then, um, it launched me into this space, which, you know, I, I used to sort of sheepishly talk about what I do, but, you know, mental health and addiction is an equal opportunity destroyer, whether you have money or not. And, and there is a judgment on people of, of means, and, and that tends to be the the group that I work with just, I guess, because of the background I had in the, I don't know, you know, I, I doesn't matter, but so where I can, I try and give back. And so Dogaholics is, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you asked me if, if there's anything I'd like to mention, I'd love to plug I'm a really dear friend of mine, Benji, who, who runs a Williamsburg house, which is a sober living house in Williamsburg. And out of everyone I know in the industry, I don't know anyone who has more integrity than him. And he, his passion is dogs as are mine. Maybe this is a bit of an overshare, but as a kid, when there's a lot of chaos going on in the house and my father was an alcoholic and, and a diabetic. And, and I mentioned the diabetes because when he'd come home from work, you know, he, he, I think he would drink a little bit and his blood sugar was low and the rage was high. And so I would even hide sometimes in the coat closet with my dog as like sort of my, you know, a meditation, the way I look at it back then. And, and so I've always had a very strong connection with animals and dogs in particular. And, and dog, Dogaholics is, you know, it's a nonprofit and it's providing vocational reentry for, for young adults in recovery. And we're getting it off the ground now. And it's got a really, I'm very honored to be on the board. You know, it's got a great board and whatnot, and it hasn't launched just yet. We're actually raising money for it and uh, getting it off the ground. But it's something that I'm very, very proud of. I think it's gonna be really cool. We're starting in, in Brooklyn and it's going to echo out throughout the, the U.S. And and it's basically when people, especially the younger adults who get into recovery, some of them don't know how to hold a job. Some of them come from families of means where they haven't had to hold a job or whatnot. And so it's going to be an opportunity for them. And then the purpose is to raise money to help people get into treatment who can't afford it. So it's giving jobs to people in early recovery. It's a really good business model, in my opinion, when I put my old MBA hat on and, and taking the profits to, to help those with who are less fortunate. And so that's great. And then the UIS is United Intervention Services is just something that I'm, I'm trying to start for. There's a lot of different interventionists around the country. Um, it's hard to vet who's good and who's not. And myself and a few friends and partners of mine from around the country were putting together high quality interventions at much more affordable prices that I only have so much bandwidth. And so do some of the more well, you know, more well-known interventionists in, in the country. And so this is an opportunity for the shrinking middle class. I think there's a lot of resources for people with no means. And there's obviously resources for people of great means, but you know we're looking to help people who can kind of cop together and get a really good quality service that otherwise that you know they find themselves stuck. So it's I probably talked a little bit too long about that, but I'm I'm really excited about both of those. That's fantastic, and so many of the families that we talk to, we recommend an interventionist. And or an intervention occur and they're like, tell me what an intervention is. And so for all the families that are out there listening, what would you say, how would you describe the intervention and the process of an intervention? Yeah. So I reference a lot of words I don't like. As an interventionist, I hate the word intervention because of the associations people have with it. It's what they think they see on TV and it can be very heavy handed at times. And I think I'm sure there are people like that. So essentially what the purpose of an intervention in the traditional sense, you know, obviously interventions happen all the time at Jay Flowers. You guys are constantly doing interventions on your clients to, you know, to intervene essentially. But from a sense of getting someone help and into treatment, it's what we're really trying to do when all said and done is, is raise someone's bottom 
you know, there's an old saying in recovery and, and also with mental health that, it, you know, tends left untreated tends to end in jails, institutions or, or, or death. You know, and, and it's a progress. It's progressive in nature. Left untreated, it, it only gets worse, you know. And so there's about probably 10 or 11 different styles of interventions. I do many different kinds with some of the corporations or hedge funds or sports teams that I work with. It's a little bit more myself and someone very high up, if not, you know, the CEO talking with someone. And it's fairly transactional, either you're going to get help or, you know, here's your severance or whatnot. But the ones I really love to do are more the family systems interventions and, you know, based, and I use different styles. Some of them are what we would call more intervention, invitational. But what I really love doing is is something based off the Johnson model. And uh, Deborah and Jeff Jay started the love first approach. And it's really coming from the heart. Uh, very rarely are are you uh, going to intellectually stimulate someone to get help whose brain is hijacked, right? With whatever it is that's going on with them. So what we try to do is is really touch it. And it is a bit formulaic in some senses. I do use letters because they're very emotional. I've never done an intervention where I haven't needed a box of Kleenex. I've also, you know, I think I've been told I have a nice disposition. I've never had anyone like attack me or even, the, you know, about 85 to 90% of the time I do one, they go that day of the 10 to 15% that don't go that day, about half of them go within a week thereafter because we, we can't have bottom lines to protect them from themselves. But there's no shaming. There's no blaming. There's nothing punitive. It's all to protect them from, from, the, from themselves and try and reach their heart to get them to, to understand the ripple effect. You know, people refer to it as a family disease, and it's not just because there's a genetic disposition to it. It is because of how it, you know, when the family finally has had enough, whoever it might be, you know, when the consequences build to a point where people are just, you know, done, you know, that's where we kind of come in and try and enlighten them and, and into getting the help they need. And I know for me, um, especially growing up in, in the, you know, with the background I had, I didn't do well when people told me what to do, especially authority figures. So, you know, we're really trying to meet people where they're at and show them the light. And so it's a much more loving, I prefer family meeting or, you know, whatever it might be versus the word intervention. And, you know, I would just say, if you're looking for someone to come in and be a cowboy and a maverick, I'm definitely not your guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I identify with you so much on the word intervention and with the clients that you work with and the clients that we work with and that we often share, it's amazing how many times either a father or a mother has said to me, how about we just call a family meeting? Can we just call this a family meeting and, and we're going to tell our son that we're having a family meeting and it's at 10 o'clock on Saturday and then he'll be there and everybody can kind of do it that way. I, in our family, I think it would go a lot farther if we call it a family meeting. So yeah. what do you think about that? That's, it, it, we do that so often. And, you know, especially when COVID hit yeah. and everyone was sort of isolated, I, I, had to, <laughs> I had to learn how to do these. My first intervention in COVID was in London, but I was literally sitting in, in here in Zoom. And I remember the woman at one point was, she was looking down. It was going really well. It was really emotional. And I said to her, I'll use a fake name, you know, Mary, are you okay? And she looked up and she actually just pulled her foot up. She said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I just, I realized I need a pedicure, like, you know, but I, you know, it was hard to read on, uh, right. on Zoom, you know, but the point being is 
you know, we try and keep it a, just like that, like family loving a meeting. And I do often like just say, listen, I've asked everyone to put some thoughts down on paper. If you could just, you know, listen, you're going to hear some amazing things that you're probably not expecting to hear. And, and in, in the beginning, the most important part of the intervention, or even if you have letters is the first part, which are all the things that you, you really love and respect about the person, because one, they probably lost sight of it if we're, if we're there, you know, and two is to remind them of who, who they really, you know, who they really are. And, you know, we want to disarm how they're feeling and they're, they're, they're expecting to hear everything, you know, wrong with them. And that's the last thing we're doing. And that's all I really need. Once we open them up, you know, then it's about providing, you know, a solution. I think people make mistakes trying to do quote unquote interventions without having a solution. Like, you know, we're going to go to Jay Flowers now, which is one of the finest institutions in the world, you know, some option for them as opposed to just addressing that there's a problem and yeah. And giving them that, that opportunity to get help. So I fully agree. You know, I do that all the time where it's, it's sort of invitational. They know we're going to have a family meeting. It makes it a lot softer, but you know, I try and sort of a hybrid approach of different intervention styles. Absolutely. Robin, why don't you ask the uh, the package question? That yes, we've been- I will. I'm dying to ask that one as well. So I think this is a line that you often use is the best gifts come in poorly wrapped packages. Please do tell. Oh, boy. So I, I guess I've kind of in some ways answered that, you know, with in things I've said so far. So, you know, my ability, I think, to connect with people and have empathy and compassion is a direct byproduct of my of things I've been through. So, you know, when I would hear people in recovery say they're a grateful recovering alcoholic or addict or whatnot, I would cringe when I heard that early on. But now I understand what it means. Like, had I not found therapy and recovery and treatment, at best, I'd be living maybe a C plus life and, and probably less than that. I was pretty miserable and I didn't even realize how how much I, I was. And uh, But having gone through that and getting to a place which was a horribly wrapped gift, at the time. I mean, when I first got into recovery, I got rid of all the bad people in my life, the people, places and things. And I had too much shame. You know, there's a lot of shame that comes with this, you know, shame being feeling bad about who I was as a person, guilt being feeling bad about things I may have done, but that I avoided good people in my life because I I didn't, it was like looking into a mirror and, and facing that shame. So I was all alone and it felt horrible, but it was the best gift because it allowed me to really engage in treatment, in recovery and have the life I have today. And pretty much everything in my life today is either mostly directly and some indirectly a byproduct of a lot of the the pain I went through and learning that, you know, I did everything I can, as I mentioned, with the masks that I would wear to protect myself from vulnerability and learning completely paradox paradoxical to that was you know that uh and sort of the Brene Brown realm of uh you know vulnerability breeds connectivity and most of the people all the people who are closest in my life it's not based on our trophies it's based on on you know a lot of the things that we've gone through in life and the shared uh, experience and the ability to be open and connect on that level so that's what I mean by that is and it's how I live through life today is when things seem for me, emotionally challenging, like who's to say this isn't going to be a gift and it allows me to continue to walk through without feeling so much anxiety or insecurity or whatnot. And, you know, not to get woo woo or whatever, but it's a bit more of a spiritual approach to life versus uh, always being hyper-focused on outcomes and results. And that, get, you know, so yeah. Less in disguise for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, Trevor, a lot of times we'll wrap this up and say, what is your understanding of the human condition? But I'm not going to ask you that because I think today, everything you've said, you exemplify the human condition and what that means. And I just so appreciate you being vulnerable and telling us about your history and your support of your story. And I know there's a lot more to the story and Robin and I would love to have you back and hear more about it because I think our audiences would love it and, and get so much out of it. But if someone wants to reach you, how do they reach you? And if they're looking for intervention, how do they look at your website? Sure. So the best just to call me directly, we do have an 800 number, but that's, you know, just I'll give my direct cell phone. It's 917-653-3899. And my email address, if you want to reach me via email, it's just Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R at SterlingRecovery.com. Sterling is S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G. And our website is SterlingRecovery.com. It's And as I mentioned, we're, uh, we're finally... Uh, joining the rest of the world by uh, launching a, a website so that, you know, but uh, I've been very blessed up till now not to really uh, need that, but I think it's going to be very helpful. And, and so we're excited about that. I think for someone like you in your practice, it's more of a family educational piece or a public education piece. It's not, you know, you're so busy and so successful and you guys do such an amazing job. And so many people refer to you as we do and, and I think having that website for you guys is a big piece of information. I'll certainly be looking at it and gleaning information <laughs> from you. So anything we can do to support you guys, we appreciate. And to reach J Flowers Health Institute, Robin, how do people reach out? Well, you can reach us at www.jflowershealth.com. Reach our con- concierge confidential services through our phone number on the website, which is also 713-783-6655. Be sure to mention this podcast. And I'd like to remind everybody that we have numerous platforms for this uh, recording and podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And please share this episode on social media and with someone you think that it would be helpful for. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Robin, for being my co-host today. It was wonderful having you. And Trevor, thank you again for your time. Go out and have a fantastic Wednesday and take good care. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, thanks, everybody. Great. Thank you. Trevor. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.